I wake up after about two minutes of still typing and find that I've written several paragraphs, not several paragraphs, like a paragraph and a half on Boethius. Like, which is coherent and accurate about Boethius. But I was asleep when I typed this paragraph. You're oh, me you know. In your sleep. I literally added an extra paragraph. I hit tab and started a new paragraph. Like, on Boethius. Wow. You know you're destined to be an academic when you can write coherent paragraphs in your sleep. Hello everyone, and welcome to Theodable, where angels dancing on the head of a pin can change your life. I'm Aiden, also known as Celtic Catholic Fire. I'm Julie. I'm Bea, also known as Bea Culpa, Bea Culpa, Bea Maxima Culpa, on Catholic Twitter. And I'm Jerry. Our topic this week is, well, Thanksgiving is coming up, and that means lots of dinner table conversation. We're a fan of that here at the Theo table, but how do we have these conversations well and charitably? And how do we have these conversations at all? Because sometimes people like to avoid topics like religion or politics, so. So maybe, thoughts? yeah, that's a good place to start, in terms of... It's the old saying, right? There are two things you don't have polite conversation on, and that's religion and politics. So, <laughs> how do we sort of combat that idea? Is it worth to combat? Is it, excuse me, is it worth it to combat that idea? Is it worth talking about religion and politics at, like, the Thanksgiving dinner table with your extended family <laughs> who have shared none of your beliefs and are kind of crazy? Yeah. Well, as a political science and theology major, my oh, joke no. is that I'm not allowed to talk <laughs> at family gatherings. Now, that's not strictly true. I have a feeling you don't obey that. I don't obey that. It's not strictly true because my family is doesn't hold to that rule so much on politics. But I definitely there is even even with even when I'm with friendly company who might share my religious views at home, um, if they don't share them as strongly, which most people in my at home don't, they're they don't even want to talk about it in public. Like in a Starbucks, they'll be like, "Let's have this conversation where no one can overhear us." So I think it's absolutely a real. Yeah. thing that we should push against. Um, even Why? the most devout evangelical I know back home um, will will not talk about it in public okay. for fear of being overheard. Now, I live in, now, not to bash on New York, but, like, I live in a place where, like, you don't see Republican news on TV in public. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, dear. But, well, okay, so, granted, Republican... Never mind. Okay, you don't. We're see- not going to. The common news station on people's TVs <laughs> is not what we're trying to talk about today. <laughs> so, the, the problem is real. The question. Problem is real. <laughs> slip. I'm going to Israel. The problem is real. Um, and I don't. I don't see my my response to them is always, well, why the heck. Should we not talk about like it's our conversation? If someone overhears it, so be it. It's not like we're shouting it in the middle of a grocery store trying to incite other people to talk about it. Like at the very least, being overheard. Even though some of those some people do do that. I love it when people jump in. I mean, that doesn't that's happen. That's true. I do too. But but like, the, is the idea the is that it's impolite like, to talk why, about controversy. Why, why should we? Because it seems like you're taking a very active position of. Yes, we should. Not only should we resist not being able to talk about it, but we should actively talk about it. Mm-hmm. Why do you believe that? Uh, because even because I think even the act of overhearing a conversation about a controversial topic is good for the people overhearing it. Because if they're like most of the population, they're reluctant to have these conversations. Well, but why is it good politics. that they have the conversations such that they're prompted to have them in the first place by you having the conversation? No, no, no. Because 
I mean, why is why is dialogue good is that what you're asking? No, 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 no. <laughs> not why. Why is dialogue good? I mean, that's a, that's a questionable question to begin with, depending on your meaning of dialogue. Don't get any of us started. But there's plenty of bad dialogue. This is implication. Yes, yes. But yes. Dialogue can be done poorly. Actually, that's kind of what we're trying to get at today on many levels. But the point is. Is there something to be said for having conversations about politics and religion with your family just for the sake of having conversations about politics and religion? Yeah, and I think the answer there is yes. Absolutely. Pressing you at sort of playing devil's advocate. Like, fundamentally, like, they're two of the most important things that people can talk about. I mean, what is more important than talking about the infinite creator of the universe or about, like, the way that we human beings are sharing our life together in order to structure? Like, there really are fewer more important things than religion or politics to talk about. And part of, I think, why, at least I diagnose our cultural shallowness in general, partially due to, like, this over-polite, or rather non-confrontational, like, yeah. approach to both religion and politics. Polite is definitely not the right word. Yeah. I, I, I would first say that I agree wholly with what you just said. Mm -hmm. um, polite isn't the right word. You're right. Well, yeah. well but, but no, more so because I never want to pass a chance to quote G.K. Chesterton. Because he, oh. he, he said quite wittily on the exact subject of not talking about these things at the dinner table that there's literally nothing else to talk about. That, <laughs> of course you did. Politics and religion is basically what there is to talk about. I mean, it's good to catch up with Other family in a broader shallow sense. Gossip. And, and random shallow gossip has its place. But also just like, like catching up with what up. people's lives are like. Yeah. Well, once you know how another person is doing, to engage with another person's ideas is inevitably going to mean and should mean engaging with their politics and their religion. Because yeah. the ideas we should have about are how to relate to each other and how to relate to God. Ergo, politics and religion. Yeah. But, back to the politeness bit, I think that's the other thing to address. Yeah. Like, elephant in the room. I don't... We have, a, we have an epidemic of people not talking about this. But on some level, it's because the alternative is not polite it's, conversation. Yep, it's shouting. Uh, and, yeah. It doesn't have to be, though. No, no I agree. When you're with family members, unless there's animosity there to begin with, like, you're... Unless you have, have a historic, long-standing conflict... With your sister mate, with your sister or roommate, we're gonna have to. With your sister Marianne, about <laughs> with your that's such a Catholic name. <laughs> with your sister Marianne or your uncle Tom, I actually have an uncle Tom. I don't mean him. About <laughs> an issue. <laughs> Julie, you're trying so hard. <laughs> yes. If anyone in Julie's family is listening to this, she doesn't mean to insult you. <laughs> I love you all. I just bad at words. Okay. I forget. Pass. Start. Start a new thing. <laughs> Where were we? Oh, I'm sorry. that the alternative is not polite. Yes, the the alternative is every Twitter argument. <laughs> not just every Twitter argument. Some level it is an outgrowth of social media. But that that's that animosity that I think we're referring to in, in conversations about this is. Usually, I think in public forums, especially it's on the internet. You don't when think you it happens hide in behind private? a screen. Oh, I, I can see it happening in private. I I, think maybe my family is just like insane. I don't think I that's know, quite the case, but yeah, I like. Is it there? Can it happen in private? Sure, um, but I think most of the time, I think it's more likely to be the case that when it happens in private, it's this long-standing thing that both of you know. If you start talking about it, it's going to end in 
catastrophic explosions. But the question is, how do you start talking about it such that that? No, that's my that's that's the point I'm getting to. I think if I was just gonna start talk start talking to my sister, who I know disagrees with me Mm -hmm. intensely about honors of religion, Mm -hmm. fundamentally the basis of our relationship isn't the fact we disagree about religion. It's that she's my sister. Yeah. And that conversation is going to start well intentioned and charitably from both sides, and yet there's still hesitation to start it. Why? Why? Why that shouldn't be the case? So how do we? get over that how do we start that well, yeah and is thanksgiving the right place to do it actually that's the perfectly <laughs> that, that's, yeah <laughs> well, maybe maybe, maybe we start there simply because i think it connects to this the same idea of having these conversations in public like having a conversation with a close friend or a family member in public on these com- in these topics is a good thing because it essentially allows the ideas to spread for anyone who's overhearing as long as you're having a good conversation and not a loud shouting match shouting match exactly the idea of having Thanksgiving <laughs> is that this is your chance to interact with people you should be close to, your family members, is that you don't necessarily see as often. They don't necessarily interact with as often. Yeah. If you're talking with, I don't know, if you're like still high school or college age and are living with your family still, you have conversations with your sister, brother, parents, whatever, on these well, topics all the time. Great. Well... Okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, this is the point is you don't necessarily hear your grandmother or your great uncle or your cousin three times removed on your grandfather's yeah, side it. or whatever it is. So you, you get exposed essentially to new opinions and perspectives, or relatively new opinions relatively and perspectives. Relatively new. Ha, ha, ha. Why is that supposed to be funny? Relatives. relatives. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was really bad. Okay, it was. On both. On all three of our parts. <laughs> Exposed to relatively new opinions and perspectives from your relatives, from people you should be close to and be able to have these conversations with. But then also, ultimately, if you're not going to be able to have these conversations politely with your family, then... It, how can you have them politely with? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, alternatively, if you can't have them rudely with your family, who can you have them rudely with? But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's that too. But the general idea being, family gatherings are a time to discuss differences within the family, especially on, like, really important things. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think part of why family arguments become so heated is, I think part of it is, Julia, right about, like, the the context of a relationship, the context of an underlying long-term conflict or disagreement. But I think also part of it is because there's a perception that the other person, that one person is trying to, like, prove themselves right or one up mm, the other person absolutely. like there's no desire for actually like you know to use an Aristotelian term communal deliberation like about anything like it purely becomes a matter of just like seeing who's gonna knock out the other guy scoring like, points yeah, yeah. Mm. which is a, I think a deeper fundamental problem not just about dialogue at families but dialogue in general in the public sphere even amongst people like it's all, I, I find it a lot better among between college students, but it's still like sort of underlying. Uh, even that is questionable, especially recently. I feel like everything's gotten a lot more toxic recently. It comes down to the phenomenon of what's very, very colloquially known as owning the libs. <laughs> and the equivalent from the left yeah. to the right, yeah. as it is from the right to the left. Yeah. Point being... Owning the libs is not in principle a good thing to begin with. Really don't own the libs if the libs are your family. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, don't be drinking out of any leftist tear mugs. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no. That mugs that say leftist No, 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 it's a, it's a tumbler. It's a tumbler. Yes, there's a big... Uh, Stephen Crowder has a mug. Ben Shapiro has a tumbler. They fight about this. Oh, oh dear. The fact that you know that they fight about this is sort of sad. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I listen to podcasts on occasion. But them? <laughs> That's plug. my judginess. Interesting, politi- interesting political commentary. Oh my goodness. Wait, what do you think? You're you're all over Twitter. Like, <laughs> I think, um, yeah, don't, don't start beef. That's uh, just to start beef. Really, we should get to the heart of the conversation and really not just shout at each other, but I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm an advocate of more logical. Mm-hmm. Um, well-reasoned arguments. I just don't see why people are just like, oh, this is my opinion, and it's all value judgment. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah. this is good, this is bad. Well, this is my opinion. Well, this is my opinion. Well, okay, their opinions are different. Uh, Congratulations, <laughs> we are now no further than we were approximately 10 minutes yeah. ago. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. My, there's a, so very much something to having these arguments logically and rationally. Mm-hmm. I know some members of my family who would say, "Yes, I can have it logically and rationally." I'm going to I'm going to be loud at the exact same time, but I'm rational, Dagnabbit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's true. That's how true. do you separate those two things? How do how do you get to the point where it's reasonable both in content and in manner? Because I think that's important too. That's fair. And maybe like presuming this is sort of where we sort of get to a more explicitly theological language. Maybe is like actively seeking to be charitable to the other person, presuming that they're, like, being honest, that they're arguing for your good, that they're not being, like, rude or exceedingly, you know, whatever, like, and holding yourself to the highest standard that you can, I think, is part Mm. of it as well. Um, That's not to say that you shouldn't get frustrated or you shouldn't get angry at times, because, like, righteous anger is a thing. Um, Maybe... I'd reserve for very, 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 very particular circumstances as regards Thanksgiving dinners. Like, don't be running around making cords out of, making whips out of cords and flipping over tables. Uh, <laughs> like, don't, 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 don't do ruin that Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, don't ruin um, the turkey with any noble gestures, okay? <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, just hold yourself to a high standard as much as possible. That's something I try to do and I often fail, but, like, right, you know, it happens. And on some level, it comes down as well to the purpose of the conversation and the reason you have these sorts of dialogues or mm. arguments. As you were saying a minute ago, the reason we disagree is not just to state our disagreement. It isn't even to argue our various positions and reduce it to a point where we have a fundamental disagreement where it's just not bridgeable. You have, my, you have your principles, I have mine, and there's just no crossing that gap. Mm. The point of a disagreement, the point of an argument, is to come to agreement, is to get to a point where you both are seeing eye to eye on something. And I think we lose that sometimes in conversations, especially with family, where we have this opinion that they're firmly rooted and won't change. Okay, so I'm going to go out on a limb here. Correct me where I'm wrong, because this is coming out of my head right now for the first time. Okay. Um, if If the question is how do we get past stating our opinions, hopefully not loudly, and just, okay, we know we disagree. A conversational, because I think that's usually what happens. People start out in a conversation like this because someone comments something descriptively about the current state of affairs, yeah. like religious or political or whatever. Then the person says no, and then there's another descriptive, editorialized kind of commentary. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that's true. What it, I, so 
something happens in that moment. Because right there, the conversation can become, you know, productive yeah. or Not here's productive. where we are. Because the response um, can either be like, hey, this is an error. I, at least I think it's an error. We can, like, work together to yes. correct it. Or it can be like, excuse me, you just attacked my opinion. Screw yeah. you. I'm so, going to yell at you now. So like, yeah. that's not productive. So Don't do that. Um, Try not to do that. Keep I don't want to make up hard and fast rules because they're inevitably going to be wrong. But um, on this particular topic, there are some things that are totally right and totally wrong. Um, but in having a conversation, what if... This feels so cliche. Like, I feel like so cliche. But what if before you start on some apologetic horse explaining in a charitably owning the libs, what if you ask them, I think people might be more receptive if you ask them to explain themselves first. Not like That's explain fair. yourself, yeah. but like, oh, yeah. really? Like, what do you, what have you, you seen that, that I haven't? Yeah. Like, pre even if you're really set in your, like, even if it, yeah. you're really set in your ways. Even if you're sure that they're wrong. Even if you're like, sure that they're wrong, like, pretend, yeah. don't like feign to be open, but like genuinely, I think it's inquiring to their sources and how they came to believe their beliefs is genuine. No, this is, this is a good point. This is a very good point that, and in order to have that that sort of authenticness, in order to approach it with that sort of genuine willingness to really dialogue, have a conversation, disagreement well, that requires being open to shifting yourself. Mm. Yeah. Because that, that ultimately, it may not mean you change your opinion, it may not, may not mean you change your views politically or religiously, but it'll probably mean you change your views of what the other side thinks, at the very least. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to grant the other side the ability to, like, define their own position, then nothing productive is going to happen. Yeah. And I think there's also, like, a way in which these discussions, especially about religion, I think this is especially the case about theology, like, part of the reason I think that they'd evolve into this sort of, like, this is what I think, and this is what I think, and then it's just, like, or, like, there's no attempt to even do the connection. It's just, like, this, you know, the two opinions are separate, and there's nothing they can do. Like, part of the reason, I think there are two things. One of them is that there's a perception on at least one side, if not both sides, that the other side is never going to change their mind. Mm. Or there's a perception, and this happens especially as regards religion, that arguing about it just not just can't not just won't change their mind, but like intrinsically can't. Like there are plenty of people who are like, you know, this whole God thing, like it's not arguable. You can't oh, argue about faith. Yeah. That's a you can't oh, interesting oh. question. Like you just can't rationally speak about God. Oh. That's something experiential. That's something about faith. That's something completely separate from reason. And at least I, as a Catholic philosophy major, like <laughs> deny that completely. Like I think any attempt to sort of make God or religion not subject to rational inquiry or thought is intrinsically problematic. Just because, like, if God gave us reason as a tool, why in the world would we not use it? Right. For mm -hmm. all of the things that it can do. No, ex exactly, exactly. On some level, religion is a weird case of this. Politics, you assume there are answers that can be fully grasped yeah. and are going to be reachable in principle, if not in practice, in your current situation. Yeah. Religion... Religion is weird in that regard because religion is supportable by reason but not reducible to reason. At the very least, that's that's you got to be careful of. 
Because I, I yeah. <laughs> hello everyone on my apologetics YouTube channel who's watching this. <laughs> I am very much a fan of rationally supporting religious beliefs, particularly rationally supporting Catholicism. Yeah, it's a pretty philosophically sound religion, in my personal opinion. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but not everything can be proven philosophically. The church, the church's view on this is that good luck proving the Trinity. Well, if right, you right. find one, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, don't, because don't, you probably proved the wrong thing. Then. Well, yeah. you proved. No, well, you haven't. You've, bro you've broken your understanding of the Trinity by yeah. also to prove it. the heresy. But yeah. yeah. Well, see that, that that's the point, though. You can you can defend the faith from the church's view. Every criticism of Catholicism has a rationally sound response. Every logical criticism of Catholicism fails. That's not to say that every doctrine of Catholicism can be proved. That's two very different things. So. Discussing religion, then, rationally, is almost an inherently defensive project. Mm -hmm. Because the positive case for Catholicism exists, but it ultimately reaches a mystery. It ultimately reaches God. When we're talking about the Incarnation, the Crucifixion, the Trinity, the Eucharist, it reaches things that we can't reduce to reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not making the face at that. That part's perfectly... But I, 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 I'm quibbling about whether or not discussing religion rationally is purely defensive. Because, like, for example, I, would, yeah. I positively think that there is a logical proof for God. Do I have it? I don't know. But I think one exists well, somewhere. And that's not a defensive. That's a very active, positive <laughs> movement. Well, well see, see, that, see that, that's, that's the thing. It's a logical proof for the existence of God. But it's not a proof of everything Catholics mean by God. Uh, like, well, no, 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 I know. No. But, like, yeah. But th that's, that's important, though, in the sense of... It allows you to positive. It allows you to respond defensively to the positive atheistic claim and disprove the positive atheistic claim. Okay. It doesn't logically prove Catholicism. Claim. Yes, that's true. That's true. But and I don't mean to harp on this because it's it's not the point. But mm. I think there. But I'm thinking specifically in the context of Thanksgiving again. Um. <laughs> I'm just envisioning a Thanksgiving family discussing like the five ways, just like that would be fun? amazing. That'd be amazing. Awesome. Like this premise isn't logically sound because of Newtonian mechanics, and then Newtonian mechanics. Peter Gates is like table. Cambridge motion. Nah. Oh, yeah. no. but again, I think there is val. I think there's. I think apologetics do have. I think are commonly used defensively, and mm. that is probably where they serve more value. But mm -hmm. I think a person can be starting from a neutral spot and not mm. see a, the, the rational argument put forth as defensive. Mm. Um, and we don't mean defensive in a negative connotation. Yeah. Like, you're being defensive about X, Y, Z. Like, defensive isn't, like, you know, like, upholding your own beliefs. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah, in a yeah. neutral sense. Yeah. And I think in this case, like that's, a positive that's Like, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, internet like, watching internet apologetics is why I'm cat. Like, and I wasn't a... Not... <laughs> not Okay, <laughs> no. My internet apologetics are are Steve um, Ray. Yeah, like Catholic Steve answers. Ray, Steve Scott Ray, Hahn, Scott Catholic Hahn, answers. Yeah. Email the podcast email for a list because I have it. I literally have it. There are yeah, there I'm are very good. There are very very good Catholic apologetics on the internet. That that is fair. Which are admittedly better than Aiden. <laughs> okay, that doesn't take much. <laughs> have you seen my production quality? <laughs> well, hey, hey, hey. Not quite the, the things point. you say. I mean, like, the Catholic kind of answers guys are just sitting around a table with a microphone in front of them. <laughs> well, they're in like, like, a nationally syndicated radio show. We're the paper also just sitting around a table. Like, oh my goodness, the Facebook meme Fridays. <laughs> so plug for his YouTube channel. <laughs> 
Which is ultimately unnecessary because half You're of our viewers come from my YouTube, YouTube channel. channel. So oh, yeah, you'll, you'll please go like and share his apologetic videos with your family and friends in advance of Thanksgiving. So you can have over Thanksgiving topic discuss. at yeah. Thanksgiving. Yes, if you need con- if you need controversial things to say at Thanksgiving, look at my videos and look at Lutheran satire. Oh boy. Oh, I guess they could look at us for some things, but we're not that polemical. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're not. We have, we have good dialogue. We should become church militants. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. No, we really shouldn't. Uh, we should become the church militant, not church militant. Oh, yeah. The, the, let's let's the, not the talk about church militant, Catholic. not church yeah. militant. Next time. So, like, here's, here, here's a... Uh, I mean, like, there are institutions, many of them, which are examples within the Catholic Church of dialogue being done not particularly well. Um, of, like, the, the weird Catholic Twitter sort of, like, yeah. crazy yelling at each other back and forth, calling each other heretics very liberally. Um, yeah, that, the, yeah. The Catholic online equivalent of owning the libs is Dave's fault. Yes, yeah. I'm not going yeah. to, I'm not going to contest this. Don't quite slide into that category, because that's... Don't slide anywhere, don't, no, just hard, don't. This is, this is a hard command, do not be a Dave's fault. Hardcore, rad, trad, can't have a positive conversation, can only attack heretics on the internet. Person that is not constructive. I lived in that world for a number of years. I was not that world. Don't do it. It turns people away from the faith. And it's also Don't just do it. wrong. Like, even, yeah. even independently. Don't. I mean, like, speaking the truth also turns people away from the faith, because some people just don't like the truth. But, like, well, and yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a wrong way of approaching... Don't, Those sorts of issues. Don't, don't tell... So, the, there's, the truth is a two-edged sword, right? Yeah. doesn't mean to stab somebody with it. <laughs> oh! Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> well, that's quite where I thought you were going to go with that. Stabbing oh. people with the truth. <laughs> like, St. Paul, like, it, the, the sword is there. If you stab the person with it, I don't think they're going to absorb both. They're going to absorb Speak both. Speak softly and carry the, the double-edged sword of truth. <laughs> don't use die the double-edged sword of truth. <laughs> Speak softly. Okay, uh, to bring this back on track a little, just a little, we, we have talked a good bit about, I mean, the, 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 this general dis- line of discussion brings up a good point, though, because, yes, we've talked a bit about how to have these conversations and not be too harsh and not come across as super angry and unable to actually engage with the other person's ideas and maybe ultimately convince them a little of something or ultimately plant the seeds of something yeah, at that, least convince them that you're not an insane whack job well right 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 I, like i've recently had a really good example of this where i just occasionally talk with some of my friends from high school about catholicism and one in particular and she not two weeks ago or not a couple days ago even she's in rcia now just mm. i don't know her whole story behind that but at the very least She's talked to me about some of the things she disagreed with Catholicism about. And being able to have those conversations well is important. It actually can yeah. slowly change people's perspective on things. Yeah. The yeah, question, they... though, the, qu- the question is just that how do we resist the impulse to go full day's vault, but still... Because there's an impulse to that, and there's a yeah. righteous impulse to that to defend things vigorously. Parisia, like, right? Yeah. How do we get, how do we be vigorous in our defense without shutting people away? And I think it'd be good to address at the same time. Um, one side of that coin is how do you not be super vigorous. The other side of that coin is some people don't talk about these things because they think they they might believe something, but they can't defend it. Mm, um, so yeah. both sides of that. 
Well, as you go to the whole vigorous thing, like, there's, there's a balance to be had between, on one hand, parasia is a Christian virtue. Parasia is, like, the Greek word for, like, bold speech is sort of the way that St. Paul talks about it. Like, it's like, you can talk about, like, speaking the truth to power or saying what needs to be said, stuff like that. Like, that is a Christian virtue. Um, Pope Francis, for example, in 2014, when Saints John Paul II and John XXIII were canonized, um, talked about them both possessing the parasia of the Holy Spirit. They spoke truth as truth needed to be said. Um, but I think part of that is, the other side of the coin is, that's truth as truth needs to be said. But the end of the argument is still to convince people, or not convince people, but like to come to an agreement, to sharpen the ideas that are being exchanged, whether it's your ideas or the other person's ideas that end up being adopted. Um, and so, like, there is a sense in which we do need to speak the truth, but we need to speak it in a context which isn't this, like, angry, virulent, you're just wrong sort of way. We need to speak the truth in a way that is appealing to people. Because in the end, we want people to have the truth. Right, right. And I think, actually, in terms of the man, like, conveying the truth in the way the truth needs to be conveyed, that's important because that can be different for different truths you want to get across. Yeah, or different circumstances. Well, right, yeah. right. But uh, I'm thinking, especially in terms of religion and politics, religion more so than politics, but in politics this helps wonders as well. You gotta live this stuff. You're... Yeah. Having the argument is good. Having the argument well and charitably and trying in such a manner to try and come to an agreement is good. But the most effective form of religious argument comes from living out what you claim to believe. Mm. Yeah, actually, I think that's helpful advice for the other side of the coin, as I was saying earlier, too. Um, my, I don't know for sure, but when I do have these conversations with people who know me, like, back home, there's, like, a back home Julie who doesn't act differently but says different things. Um, but Is speech, not action? But... No, but, no, but this is the point, though. I think, like... It's a joke, don't worry. No, but, um... If you're hesitant to say something, because, like, what am I even going to say? Can I even argue well? Like, I shouldn't bring up the argument at all, because they're just going to, like, steamroll me, and that's bad for the faith, right? And personally, yeah. not pleasant. Um, well, too. Yeah. Um, I think part of that is, if you're if you're living it, like, people take notice of that. Like, occasionally, I'll have a Facebook Messenger conversation with, like, a cousin or something, and the comments that come afterwards, like, it's much better received in light of them seeing just your Facebook, because, like, it's different at home. Well, she actually, at least she goes to the March for Life. Yeah. Um, and coming to back that up, like, you're, the people you're speaking to at Thanksgiving are people who know about your life somewhat. Um, you're not expected to be, like, expert apologist or, like, political expert talking head for whatever you take that as. Yeah. Um, they know that you're their 20-year-old cousin yeah. or your 16-year-old niece. Yeah. You don't have to have all the answers. What's the scripture about, like, the Holy Spirit giving the words you need? Well, that's about prayer, I believe. No, no, it's, no also about... it's also about speaking to people. Yeah. About evangelization. Okay. I don't but exactly does anybody what know it is. what it is? But it was like, prepare not your words beforehand, for the Spirit will grant you what you need. Oh, yeah. 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 That, that, yeah. Prepare not your defense beforehand, because they're yeah. talking about... Like, don't try to, yeah. like, don't, like, it's not, nobody's expecting you to be an expert. And ultimately, you're not. You're never gonna argue unless you somebody. Think you're an expert. Unless you are legitimately, yeah. yeah. 
I'm not, I'll, yeah, if you're an expert, go for it. Like, if you or if you act like an expert and you act like you know more than you in fact do, that <laughs> well, becomes a problem as well. Which I'm guilty of that <laughs> often. So that's not a shade on other people. It's shade on myself. Yeah. Well, this is actually a good a, a, a good scenario. I don't think we've considered yet in terms of why people don't have these conversations. What what do we say to people who aren't used to having these conversations on the sort of the Catholic side of things hmm. and are worried about? not being convincing or worried about being swayed away from what they believe by because they don't know how to defend it well. How do you... What is our approach to people who want to be prepared for these sorts of discussions but don't feel like they are? Watch. The, so, Watch personally... Well, you, no, no, seriously. Yeah. I, like... So now, uh, thinking back now, like, retrospectively, I realize I learned more from, like, my meh formal catechesis than I gave it credit for at the time. Mm. But the way I learned how to argue anything for Catholicism is by watching other people do it on the internet or listening to other people do it on the internet. Mm -hmm. Like, before I started in the major, like, all of the Catholic knowledge came from the internet. Yeah, that's true. Um, Catholic answers, invaluable. Um, mm -hmm. For real. Especially their, like, yeah. bulleted lists. And also, you can, there are other people, they're hard to find, but there are niches on the internet where people do have charitable conversations where you can talk to the evangelicals <laughs> and the Lutherans and the, and the and the atheists on the internet. Catholic I found funny. them. It's Catholic Eye Funny, guys. I was oh. there. The community kind of died, so find a different one because that. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Eye Funny, but find find another one. There's Facebook groups. Um, they do yeah. exist. Like if you look for discussion groups, some of them are legitimate because it's hard to because it can be hard to find people yeah. in real life to practice not practice in the sense of practice, but like. You end up getting practice having conversation. these conversations. Yeah. Yep, and like, I think that's especially the case if Andrew sort of alluded it. to this. Like, especially the case if you're not in a community with a lot of other people who share your values or your beliefs. Um, you're in that position. I'm in that position. Like, it's difficult. It's very hard. But at least I think the grace that I've gotten out of being in that position is that, like, when you interact with other people. And you argue about these things, or you hear arguments about these things. Arguments in, like, you know, a discussion sense, not in the yelling sense. Like, it sharpens your own ideas. It gives you an ability and a confidence to go out and do something similar. Um, and that, I think, is one of the biggest gifts that I have of growing up uh, in an area, in a culture, which more or less holds the opposite of my values, um, is that I'm able to, like, I'm able to engage with them on a level of par, like as an equal in a sense, and not just like shout things back at them and not like, you know, be forced to engage, in actively, intellectually engage with the material. So yeah, yeah. So ultimately then, that's, that's why Thanksgiving political and religious conversations to bring it all right back around are worth yeah. having and worth doing well because it doesn't just help the people you're talking with if you can try and convince them toward and bring them closer to the truth it helps you it helps your own understanding of your faith it helps your own ability to defend the faith it just gives you tools like for your reasoning capacities like yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. yeah go out there in a couple of days and have these arguments and charitably. have them charitably yeah <laughs> don't own the libs don't go Dave's fault. And if everyone abides by those rules, I think we'll all get along pretty well. I think you'll have a memorable Thanksgiving. Yes. In a good sense. Yes. Okay.
on that note, we will conclude with the prayer of St. Thomas Aquinas. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Grant us, O Lord, minds to know you, hearts to seek you, wisdom to find you, conduct pleasing to you, faithful perseverance in waiting for you, and a hope of finally embracing you. Amen. Amen.